Amen. Thank you so much, praise team, uh, choir, for what you're doing, for that wonderful word. It is well with my soul. Listen, uh, maybe it's well with your soul today because you're thankful for something. Susan, I think we have a song. We added this song late. We're just going to do a verse, I think, of Count Your Many Blessings, One Upon Life. Would you stand and sing that with you? Would you just stand and sing this? Arena, you don't have it. Don't worry about it. Susan, if you will, let's stand together. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed And when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost Count your many blessings, name them one by one And it will surprise you what the Lord Name them one by 
Count your many blessings. See what God has done. So count your many blessings. Just sit there and hold that chorus. Listen, who wants to tell me one thing you're thankful for today? Is anybody thankful at all? Your husband. God bless you. Now, listen, if you've got a brain in your head, you'll reach over there and hug her. <laughs> okay, who about somebody said something over here? Joyce. Joyce? Your church, your family. Amen. What else? Better health today. Better health? Better health today. Better health. Donna was not with us last week. She was getting out of the hospital, I think, and there she is. So we thank We're thankful. Faithfulness of God. Answered prayer. Thank you, Miss Betty. Oh, for, I see him. Hold on, Susan. Hold that. I won't be able to hear this one. Your family. God bless you. Little brother, God bless you. Brad. Turkey <laughs> <laughs> Oh, turkey. I, I, I would have suspected that from you. I really I expected that. That's great. Anybody else? Salvation. Salvation? Amen. What? Family. Amen. Forgiveness. Yes. Wow. Yes. Church, yes. Say so what? All right. Say so what? My new puppy. Oh. <laughs> we have a 21-week-old Scottish Terrier that she calls my Scottish Terror. I don't know what I think about that. My brother-in-law says the dog has my looks and my personality. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I'm thankful for her. Anybody else? To wake up today. Amen. Look around you. Aren't you just thankful for each other? We could be a lot of places today, but look where we are. We're in the presence of Almighty God and with His people. Guess what? I are one, and so are you. Isn't that great? Now, I know Pastor Ken's going to do this in a minute anyway, but I want you to, but we can do it twice. It doesn't matter. Would you just... <laughs> Turn around to somebody and tell them how grateful you are for them and to have them today, that you're thankful for them. Susan, if you'll just play that chorus over a couple of times, that'd be great. Thankful for you. Thank you. I'm thankful for you, Pat Forrester. You, you moo cow thing. Thankful for you too. Yes, I'm thankful for you. I can't get to you, but I love you. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thankful for y'all. Hey, I'm thankful for you guys. If you don't know it, I am. We'll try it again.
Hey, let's sing. If my mic will come on, let's just sing that chorus uh, a cappella. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. We will. 
I love this next song. This is Kay Melba's favorite song. I don't know if she's in here or not, but this is her favorite song. If not, she's going to be watching it online. She's here. Okay, good, good. Oh, I see you, Miss Kay. I see see somebody. There's about three people pointing right down at you. I'm glad. This is your song.
Well, can anybody say amen? Amen. The Lord is good and he is worthy to be praised. So good to see each of you today. Glad that you are here. Lots of places that you could be, but I'm glad that you are here and worshiping with us here at Popper Springs today. So good. If you're a guest today, what a, what a privilege and a joy it is to have you and so glad that uh, you are here with us today. Good friends up in the balcony and uh, I'm glad uh, I'm glad you're you're not going to misbehave today because mama's in the house today, right? Mama is in the house and uh, she'll keep things straight. If you have a copy of God's word, this is the probably, I, if, if I know, if I really am in tune with the Lord, this is the last time I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And uh, this is the fourth message that, that I preached out of this one particular text. And to be honest, there's so much more. There, there's just so much more. You can never exhaust the Word of God, right? You can't. Why? Because it's a living Word. It's a living Word. I've got a lot of books in my library, but I only have one book that I read that is a living Word. And that's the scripture. And so every time we go, isn't it amazing how you can just read a passage and read a passage and read a passage and then come back to it three or four or five weeks later, or a couple of months later, and guess what? Man, there's just something new and something fresh and something that arrests your heart. And you just go, why in the world didn't I see that before? That's just the power of the Word of God. And so in this text, we've been trying to answer what I think is a very critical question, not just for our church, but for every born-again child of God, and that is, what is a disciple? What really is a disciple? How, how, do, you, how do you answer that? How, how, would, how would the Scriptures help us answer that question? It's really not important how a Baptist or a preacher would answer that question. What's really important is how does the Scripture answer that question? And so there's a lot of places that we could go to help secure that answer. But I do believe that Matthew chapter 4 is one of those excellent passages that help us really sink our teeth into that answer. And so we've said several things, and we've based this whole series on three crucial statements. Number one, a disciple is someone who follows Jesus. Every, listen, everybody in this room today, your eternal destination, your service that you render to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is always dependent on what you do with those two words that Jesus spoke, follow me. So a disciple is someone who has followed Jesus. They've turned from sin and self, and they are trusting Christ, and they're trusting Christ alone. But second of all, we've said that a disciple is someone who is continually changed by Jesus. And so I don't know about you, but I continually need changing. Amen? I need changing all the time. I can have a rotten attitude just like that. My flesh wants to pop up and show itself just like that. I'm telling you. So I don't know that I've even, in all these years of walking with Jesus, I'm just going to tell you, I don't know that uh, I've experienced any more spiritual warfare than maybe what's kind of going on in the last little bit. I mean, there's a lot of warfare. Do y'all sense that? I mean, there's just a lot of warfare. 
There's a lot of things going on. And I know the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness, they are clashing with one another, right? But I got good news. Jesus has already won it. Amen? Amen. And so, you know what? We can, we can hang in with a battle here and a battle there when you've already know that you've won the war, right? I learned that a long time ago. I learned that a long time ago. That's why if I go to a football game, I tape it. And if by chance my team wins, I watch it again. And it's amazing. When you already know the outcome, you don't worry about a bad play. You don't even worry when the other team scores a point. You just don't worry. Why? Because you already know the end result. Church, I got good news. Jesus Christ came, lived, died, rose again, and he wins. He wins. And so, so knowing that, listen, once I came to Jesus as a 16-year-old kid, he changed me. He, he did. He really changed me. But this, this new life is ever-changing. There is so much more that God wants to do to each of us today than he did a week ago or a month ago or a year ago. I mean, it never, ever stops. Jesus is constantly changing. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, right? The old is past and the new is what? It's literally translated becoming new. So we are always in the state of becoming. We, we never really arrive. And then the last one is this. Uh, a disciple is one who follows Jesus. A disciple is one who is continually changed by Jesus. A disciple is someone who embraces the mission of God as though it's your mission. We get to join God in his redemptive purpose. We, we get to talk and we get to sing and we get to pray. We get to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in this passage, there's just a, there's just a, a wealth of stuff here. But I want to read it one more time. And I want to use this as the title today, Follow the Leader. Follow the Leader. So I'm going to ask you to do what I ask you to do every single Sunday. And I'm going to ask you to stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. As a matter of fact, if you've got a Bible or device, hold it up and say this with me. This is the Bible. It is God's holy, infallible, inerrant, perfect, life-giving, life-changing Word. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately. Now, it, it, I don't know if you, you know, some people have convictions. They don't want to write in their Bible or they don't want to underline anything in their Bible. And so I, I underline anything and everything. I write in the margins. I'm just, that's just me, right? That's just me. So I'm not saying anybody's right or wrong. But if you do so, if, if you are like-minded, I'm telling you, you need to take a pen, a pencil, blood, ma mascara, whatever, and put a circle around that word immediately. Verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. 
And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Listen again, verse 22. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Lord Jesus, today, I thank you and I praise you for such a sweet day. God, a beautiful day that you have blessed us with to be able to come and join together as a church family. Lord, to sing praises to your name, to participate in a, a time of small group, and uh, Lord, how, how refreshing that can be. Lord, to be able to come to, to bring our tithes and offerings to you, God, to, to worship you because we recognize that everything we have is a grace gift from you. And so, Lord, even that is our act of worship today. Just as much as our lifting our voices in song, Lord, was an act of worship. And now, Lord, to the, the preaching of your word, I pray, God, that we would see it as an act of worship today. And that, Jesus, you would take your words that you spoke that day and that, God, you would continue speaking that truth to our own soul right now. And, God, I believe that you have a very simple but yet profound word for us today. Lord, it could be that this message is just for me. And, God, I'm asking you to take over and to take charge. And that, Jesus, you would arrest every thought. God, help us not to think about anything else except following you. God, help us not think about anything else today except being changed by you. Lord, I pray that you would help us not to, to be tempted to let our minds wander in any other direction except, God, you have called us to join you. And God, I pray that we would see and hear and feel the weight, Lord, of that call even today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated. Three very simple and quick thoughts this morning. I have never preached this fourth message. If you were to go back and look, I mean, I try to keep uh, records of things that I preach. I'm not very administrative, so I've done a horrible job through the years. Uh, but I've got boxes and boxes and boxes, and I want to throw them away. Pat says, no, sometimes the, the kids may want them later. You know, who, who really knows? But there are three very simple things I want you to see out of this text today. Number one is this. Without obedience, there is no genuine discipleship. Without obedience, there is no genuine discipleship. Again, look back at verse 20 and verse 22. I mean, it just leaps off the page. If Jesus recorded one thing by the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, we need to read it and we need to say amen to it, right? But if you see a word twice in a text, that might mean something even heavier, right? And that word is immediately. 
And so the Bible records for us that these four men immediately left where they were, what they were doing, who they were with, and they did what? They followed the leader. They followed Jesus. Friend, I believe these were steps of faith. Notice what Jesus said and notice what he did not say. All he said was, follow me. And I will make you to become fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets. Immediately they left their boats and their daddy. But here's what he did not say. Follow me and I'm going to give you a road map to follow. Follow me and I'm going to give you detailed directions. And I will describe every single step of the journey. Has the Lord ever done that for you? Well, he's never done that for me. That much I do know. He's never done that. I'm not sure he even operates that way. And what is displayed in this immediate obedience is so beautiful and profound. You cannot separate obedience from faith. I think they're just two sides of the same coin. So when God speaks by faith, we do what? We believe, we trust, we obey. I, I don't think you can separate obedience from faith, and I don't think you can separate obedience from submission. This is a beautiful picture of submission. That word submission is really two words that, that, that are put together. The word sub means under. The word mito means to put or to place. In other words, submission means to be placed under the authority of another. I saw that last night as the Tennessee volunteers were put under the authority of the South Carolina Gamecocks. Sorry for that, but I had to say it, all right? Because I probably won't get to say that next week, okay? I probably won't get to say that next week. Submission means to be placed under the authority of another. So following Jesus obediently literally means this, that we submit to his lordship. Friend, when Jesus spoke these words, he was just as much Lord as he was ever Lord, right? And he's still speaking those words today. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is master of all. Jesus is the blessed controller of all things. Jesus is the supreme authority. Several years ago when I pastoring at Rocky Creek, we had mission conferences and, and the Lord blessed us with some really wonderful people to come and aid us in those efforts. Guys like a Tom Eliff who would come and preach the Word of God. Mike Hamlet came for us and preached the Word of God. Johnny Hunt came, preached the Word of God. But probably the most special of those conferences that we ever hosted was the one that we invited and Elizabeth. Elizabeth Elliot came. It was amazing. Her daughter did most of the speaking because she just didn't do a lot of speaking just because of her physical condition. But just to have her in the room was something rather extraordinary. You talk about somebody who understood what it meant to follow Jesus. Uh, in some of her writings, I went back and began to look at some of those things. Listen to these two powerful quotes. God is God. We could just stop right there, right? God 
is God. Because he is God, he is worthy of my trust and obedience. I will find rest nowhere but in his holy will that is unspeakably beyond my largest notions of what he is up to. She goes on to say this. When obedience to God contradicts what I think will give me pleasure, let me ask myself if I love him. That's deep. And what I see in this text is this beautiful picture of immediate obedience. Without obedience, there is no genuine discipleship. Number two, who or what we follow reveals what we truly value. Let me say that again. Who or what we follow reveals what we truly value. And so when Jesus makes this incredible statement, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men, the Bible says immediately they left their nets and followed him. Later on, he's speaking to two other brothers and they're with their daddy in the boat. And when he called them, the Bible says immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. You just can't skim over their response. There is no doubt that these men valued what they did. I mean, it was a part of their life, right? I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about, about, about being created in the image of God, that, that God puts within us different attitudes and appetites and likes and dislikes. And that, that, that's kind of a wonderful thing. Aren't you glad we all don't look alike or think alike? I mean, it'd be a boring world, wouldn't it? It'd be awful. I would hate to be married to somebody that looks like me. That would be horrible. And so I'm so glad that we're, we're different, but yet we're all a part of the same body, same Lord. And I love that. And so, so God, gives us, God gives us things that we can enjoy. Now, you understand that being a fisherman was not a sinful thing, right? There was no sin in being a fisherman. So there, there, there was nothing sinful about having good nets. There was nothing sinful about having a nice fishing boat. There was nothing sinful about having a family business. There was, there, there, there's nothing sinful about being successful. I mean, I think all those things are in play here. There's not anything sinful about those things. But what we follow truly reveals what we value. And in that moment, what we see in the text is these men valued what Jesus said. They valued being with him. They valued following Jesus. They forsook all to, to answer his call. Again, I think about Elizabeth Elliot. I think about, you know, Rachel Saint. And these two ladies, they, they literally gave their life in order that the Alka Indians would come to faith in Jesus. The, the very people that, that killed Elizabeth Elliot's husband and killed Rachel Saint's brother, Nate. 
are the very ones that they were, they, they just asked God, God, we, you, you called us here. You've given us a burden for these people. Lord, you, you've asked us to follow you, and we are going to follow. That's an amazing story. Can you imagine going back to the very people that took a loved one's life that you love and cared for, and yet they saw beyond that, and all they saw, all they heard was the call of Jesus to follow him. Amazing. Matter of fact, if you study and read the, the life of Rachel, Saint, her brother was Nate, he was the pilot. And those tribesmen thought that those, those white men had come to kill them. And so they responded. What's amazing is one of the men that, that actually murdered those missionaries that day was the head of the tribe who became the pastor of the church there and eventually baptized Rachel Saint's niece and nephew when they came to Jesus. Now you talk about a redemptive story? That is incredible. And what that says to me is what they valued. What do you value today? Are, are, you, are, you going to, are you going to join like these men to say, Lord, we will follow you wherever you go? Hardships, difficulties, loss of life, uncomfortable conditions. Or are we going to be the kind of disciples that would say, Lord, I will follow you as long as it's easy. Lord, I will follow you as long as you lead us through the familiar. God, I will follow you as long as you make my life comfortable. Lord, I will follow you if you will be sure that the path you take us down is a secured path. Not these guys. Not those ladies. They heard the call. They felt the burden. Don't forget that following Jesus, it means that we're going to have to leave a few things behind. And in the text, there's three things, and I don't have time to hit all three, so I'm only going to hit one. There's nets, boats, and daddy. How about I just hit nets? Joseph Stoll, great communicator, once said this about the net. A net is anything that inhibits or prohibits our non-negotiated commitment to follow Jesus. So what's a net? Well, I just wrote several things down. Number one, a net could be people. Sometimes we could value people more than we value what Jesus has said. So people. A prejudice could be a net. Some of us here today know that God wants to use us to, to be a mouthpiece for the gospel. The only problem is the people that he's put in your path, they don't look like you, they don't act like you, they don't smell like you, and they have a different color of skin. And sometimes our prejudice could be a net. How about things, stuff? Y'all like things? I like things. I don't want to admit it. I do not want to admit that I like things. I really don't want to admit that I like my stuff, but I like my stuff. 
It really hit me this week. We had Thanksgiving last week, so I'm always, the, I'm the kind of person, well, I'm never going to celebrate Christmas. We are not putting up the tree until Thanksgiving's here first. That's how I, I, I that's just the way it's going to be. Now, I, I, you may not agree with me, and you have every right to be wrong on that. But the <laughs> well, that's the way I'm going to operate. But since we had it last week, I said, all right, Pat, we had Thanksgiving with our family last week. It's time. Let's get the Christmas stuff out. And we did for two straight days, all we worked on. And I'm going to tell you, by the time we got done, I stood there and I could feel the pride swelling up in me. Boy, does it look good. I like our stuff. But what if the Lord told me, Ken, I want you to follow me and then follow me. I'm going to ask you to drop the net, and your net is your stuff. What if the Lord asked me to drop my net, and my net was my, my plans, my dreams? You ever had plans, dreams? What if the Lord said, I want you to drop your plans and drop your dreams, and I want you to pick up my plan and my dreams for you? It could be family. It could be children. It could be attitudes. It could be money. What about our wills? What about sin? These guys were willing to drop anything and everything just to be with Jesus. Just to follow him. Just to be obedient to his call. Last thing I'm going to say today is this. Our assignments may be temporary, but the call to follow Jesus never ends. I look back in the rearview mirror of my life, and golly, Pete, the Lord's let me do a little bit of everything. So when I first got saved, I wanted to be, in, in, I wanted to be a music guy. And so, so there was a guy, an old fella in our church that was our music director, and his name was Landrum Medley. And every Monday night, I would drive to Inman to go to Landrum Medley's house. And you know what he would do? He would teach me, he would teach me what, the, the three, four, I mean, all that kind of stuff. By the time I got to North Greenville, I was so far ahead, it was a breeze going through a lot of those classes because this man mentored me and spent time with me. And I thought, man, that's exactly what I want to do. And so for the first few years, that's exactly what I did. 18 years old, 18 years old, two weeks after I graduated high school, my home church hired me. Can you imagine that? 18, green as a gourd, just a punk kid. And then a few years later, I had a church that said, hey, we want you to come and we want you to be our music, but also we want you to be our youth guy and our education guy. And our activities guy, and every other duty assigned by the pastor, right? And then I did that for a while. And then I had a church call me and said, hey, we just want you to come be our music and youth guy. And then I went to Indian Trail just to be the youth guy. And I watched this youth group go from 20 to 200 and go just, just explode. Why? Because I'm telling you, I fell in love with the scriptures. And Wednesday night was just a worship night. I'm telling you right now, we, we, we had a praise band and didn't even call it a praise band. Didn't know you were supposed to call it a praise band back then. We just had kids that played instruments and Pat kind of grouped it all together and they rehearsed. And, and literally, I would preach just like I'm preaching now on Wednesday nights. 
And then we went into full-time evangelism. We traveled for five years, averaged 40 meetings a year. Nobody, I'm telling you, we are nobodies when it comes to that. And yet God kept that calendar full. I can't tell you how many times that we would go. That, I, well, I don't, well, foot, it's just us. I'll tell you right quick. There were times when we said yes to evangelism, we sold everything we had. Because we didn't want the stuff to tie us down. So now I want you to think about this. We sold everything we had because we didn't want stuff to tie us down. It was called Faithway Ministries, and we wanted to live by faith, and God sure put us to the test. And there were weeks that on a Wednesday night, we would finish up a revival meeting, a meeting on a Wednesday night, get in the car, drive back toward Indian Trail, and have no idea where Pat, me, or at that time, our three kids were going to lay their head down at night. Because we sold everything. I can't tell you how many times we would drive up into the church parking lot, go into my office, and that was back in the day. I know I'm going to date myself, and, and I don't have time to explain this, but we used to have this thing called an answering machine. <laughs> I don't have time to explain that, all right? I would walk in there, and that red light would be flashing, and I would hit play. And here, and one, one time, this is the one that sticks out to me the most. There was a guy named Bobby. And Bobby left a mess. He said, hey, Ken, Pat, this is Bobby. Just wanted you to know we're thinking about y'all, praying about y'all, praying for y'all. And, man, we sure would love to have one of those all-night game nights again. So whenever you're home, give me a call. <laughs> I called him. And that very night, guess what we did? We went and had an all-night game night, fun time, but God provided. I'm telling you, I don't have time today, but I could tell you story after story after story after story. My assignment has changed through the years like crazy. But the call to follow Jesus has never changed. And the same is probably for you as well, right? You can look in your own rearview mirror of your life and you see how God has brought you here, brought you there. How God has done all these amazing things that you look and go, God, only you could have accomplished that. So our assignments may be temporary, but the call to follow Jesus never ends. Now, I want to show you something really, really quick. So you're going to have to, I want you to keep your finger, Matthew chapter 4, but I also want you to flip over to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. So I want to I show you something. The very, the first conversation that we have recorded in Scripture of Jesus and Peter having any kind of conversation is in Matthew chapter 4. Okay, verse 18, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen, and he said to them, follow me. You get that? Now, fast forward to John 
chapter 21. Now, I, boy, I wish I had time to unpack the whole thing. John, John, John chapter 21 is one of those amazing, amazing chapters in the Scripture. But, 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 but you got to come on down to, to verse 15. And so they, had, uh, they, they were having breakfast, which is a good thing, right? And when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk whether you wanted. And when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was going to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, what are those two words? Follow me. The first thing that Jesus ever said to Peter is the last thing we have recorded in the scriptures that he ever said to Peter. It was the same thing. Follow me. The call to follow Jesus may be changed by him. But it never, ever ceases. This past Tuesday evening, I had a treat. We were at the state convention, and, and maybe one, I, I probably need to unpack that for you. That's probably a wise and good thing to do. And uh, you might be interested in that, and we'll find a way to do that, even if I just maybe write a letter and spell out some of those things. But I think they're things that you need to know. And here's a, here, I'll just tell you this about the state convention this year. The worship was awesome. The meeting was boring. That means it was a good one. Okay, when the business sessions are boring, but the worship is amazing, that's the kind of convention you want to have, right? But, but Tuesday night, I got to spend some time with a guy named Robbie Galladay and took him to, to supper and just to, to get to know him and try to host him well while he was here. But I want you to, I want to read a quote from Robbie. When the church becomes an end to itself, it ends. When Sunday school, as great as it is, becomes an end to itself, it ends. When small group ministry becomes an end in itself, it ends. When the worship service becomes an end in itself, it ends. What we need is for discipleship to become the goal, and then the process never ends. The process is fluid. It is active. It's a living thing. It must continue to go on. Every disciple must make disciples. And I believe that really just kind of puts a bow and a ribbon on this passage. God is calling us to follow him. Now, I don't know what that looks like for you. But I want you to think about that for a second. What would that look like today? In order for you to follow Jesus, is there a net that you're hanging on to that you're going to have to let go of? 
And I believe the Holy Spirit's probably already shown you that. What is the net? Or what boat are you in? Right? Maybe you like your boat. Maybe the net didn't work for you, but maybe it's a boat. Maybe that, maybe that gets your attention a little bit better. Or is it family? What is it that's keeping you from following Jesus? I would just simply tell you today, drop the net, leave the boat, even if it means leaving family, and trust the voice of Jesus. Trust him. Lord, today, I pray, God, that you would truly make us disciples who will make disciples, who will make disciples, who will make disciples. And that, Lord, we recognize that you are still calling people to follow you. You're calling many of us today, God, to follow you. God, you're asking me, even today, God, you're asking me to drop some of my own nets in order, God, that I would follow you. And where you will take me may be a place that's unfamiliar. It may be a place that is going to be very uncomfortable. God, it could be a place or Jesus that, that is not a path that I have traveled on before but I do know this God wherever you call whatever you say I pray that my obedience would be immediate I pray that there would be a spirit of submission to your lordship and that God I would not hold things so tightly in my hand that I would let those things prohibit or inhibit me from truly following you and Lord I'm asking you by the power of your Holy Spirit today God to examine our own hearts Lord what is it that we are clinging to that inhibits us from truly following you with obedience and submission to your perfect lordship and so god i pray that you will just draw us close to yourself and that we would truly be more in love with you and that god we would let any of those idols drop one by one and so lord we trust you for that today in jesus name i'm going to ask you to stand to your feet our brother scott the praise team is going to lead us in a hymn of invitation and here here's it's a very simple invitation today if god has shown you there's a net that you need to let go of i'm asking you to let it go today i'm telling you bring it to jesus Drop it at his feet, and then you be obedient to what the Lord is speaking to you about. Trust him. Trust him. I 
Pastor Ken. We have a vision statement in this church. Our vision is growing disciples that connect upward, connect inward, and connect outward, upward with the Lord Jesus, who will show us what our nets are. Inward with each other, so that the Jesus in each of us can witness with the Jesus and the rest of us and connecting outward so that those who do not know him may come to the saving knowledge that he is not just the way a way but the way he is the way all afternoon I'm going to be thinking about nets today on the side of the, of the platform here there are two baskets they're going to be there for a little while last week i reminded you that some time ago that we had a list of 55 was it 55 people about uh, who we have identified through the years as being without jesus and we're praying for them to be saved i ask that you in these couple of weeks we're not going to have an in gathering but the baskets will be here at your leisure. You may come and drop their name either on a single piece of paper or you can make a list. And put if you know someone who's lost and without Jesus, then you would put their name in the basket. We'll compile a list. We'll give you a list before Christmas and you'll have something to pray for and those to pray about. Also, next Sunday, our men's ministry will meet again. And guys, we're going to do it at 6.30 instead of 6.15. But here's what I'd like for you to do. And here's what I'm going to do with Brad's help. <laughs> Brad doesn't know it yet, but he's going to help. Um, we are going to, if you'll just bring some desserts, we're also going to have hot dogs next week. We already have uh, hot dogs and chili donated. So uh, we'll have those together. for our, That'll be our last meeting this year. and We'll resume in January. So don't forget that. If you're not with us on Wednesday nights, would you, would you consider coming and join us at 6.30? Our ladies are doing uh, a, a study together uh, with Carol, and I have the rest of the folks, adult folks. We have children 
and other places, but I have the rest of the adults, and we're looking at God's call on our life. And right now we've been talking about intimacy and enemies of intimacy with God, which can be distractions. It can be drifting away. It can be voices of people who speak louder than the voice of God in our lives. A lot of things. Now, if somebody's voice is louder than God's in your life, tell them, get thee behind me, Satan. And hopefully they'll be gone. So come and join us on Wednesday. We won't meet this Wednesday night, but we're going to be going throughout the holiday season with those studies. If you have your offering today, as you leave through the portico or at the door, there'll be men at the door with plates. There'll be the black boxes on the wall. Be sure to leave your offerings there. If you are new to us or new to us for the first time in a long time, Brother Joey, who is even now in his Clemson decor on his way to the uh, welcome desk, uh, he will meet with you and tell you how you can learn more about us and about our PS 101 class. Looking forward to rehearsal with our choir today. Um, we have uh, the 4th, on the 4th at 6 o'clock, we'll be down in Henry doing the Christmas musical. It'll be done here on the 11th. On the 18th, uh, we will be having in that afternoon, late afternoon, we'll be doing a Christmas fellowship. It'll be church-wide. We'll be giving you some instructions about that. And we're going to have children singing both in our musical and also on a Sunday morning, which I'll tell the parents, we'll be singing with the adult choir also. So we look forward to that. All minds clear. Let's pray together. Our Father, thank you that we've been able to come into your house today to meet with you, to hear your word. Lord, I pray today that the challenge will not be far from our thinking all day. As we think about what it is that we need to leave and immediately follow you. Lord, would you deal with us today even as we leave this place? We love you. We thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen.